And we continue here on Our American Stories. And now it's time for our Rule of Law series, where we tell stories about what happens when the rule of law is present or absent in our lives. And by the way, we don't think about it often enough. But without rule of law, my goodness, well, you have Venezuela. And now Jesse Edwards takes a look at the misdemeanor system. We depend on the rule of law as a society to help keep our loved ones safe and our interests protected. But the law is just words on paper if it's not enforced. Do the crime, do the time, or pay the fine. If you hurt someone, the state can hurt you back on behalf of the victim or on behalf of the state itself. Which is where things get a little weird. Who am I hurting if I decide to jaywalk across this empty road? Jaywalking is considered an infraction, but in some jurisdictions it's a misdemeanor or requires a court appearance. In some places like Atlanta, it can get you thrown in jail. I could be looking at fines upwards of 300 bucks. That could ruin our day. But for some people, it can ruin their life. You can't really understand the American misdemeanor system without thinking very deeply about the role that money plays. Professor Alexandria Natapoff, UC Irvine. We're punishing people because of their poverty. And at the same time, and this is why I, I frame it as a question of less taxation, in many ways, those fines and fees, that wealth stripping of the poor is funding the system itself. It's funding courts, it's funding probation offices, it's funding public defender offices, it's funding prosecution offices. Say you get caught up in a random bar fight. Somebody feels disrespected, throws a few punches, and maybe you swing back. Nobody sees who started it, so you both get arrested. Somehow, you racked up a few thousand dollars in assault charges, and they want 10% to let you out on bail. Even if you have that four or $500, how are you gonna pay for your lawyer to fight the charges? Either way, if you don't take the deal and you don't have a good defense, they're coming after you. What bail has morphed into in the low-level court system is essentially a way of pressuring poor people to plead guilty. Because a $500 bail amount is out of reach for many people, for many families. Most Americans do not have $400 easily lying around. That's emergency money. So if you don't have that money, you stay in jail. And every day you stay in jail with a plea offer on the table is a day that you could be getting out. And so many people take those deals, not because they're guilty or not because anyone has really decided whether the evidence supports the conviction or they should be convicted, but as a way of buying their freedom. Often that whole net of punishment, that experience, the informal experience of going to jail, losing your job, incurring fines and fees and debt can be greater than the formal punishment that any judge ever imposes. The fine can be $500, but you may ruin your credit. You may have spent uh, three to five days in jail just waiting for your case to be resolved. You may have lost your, the custody of your children because of that jail time. So there's, it's really an enormous net, both formal and informal. And the idea is that we, we should be more discerning. We should be more proportionate. We should be more just in the way that we punish. Professor Natapov wrote Punishment Without Crime. Our massive misdemeanor system traps the innocent and makes America more unequal. She found 13 million misdemeanors in this country each year. 
Hordes of people are arrested for minor crimes, swept through courts where the defendants can't afford lawyers, judges process cases in minutes, and nearly everyone pleads guilty. We should live in a criminal system where if someone has a conviction, we should be able to conclude from that conviction that they did the thing that they were convicted for. And it's not true in the misdemeanor system. All too often, if someone has a conviction, all we conclude is that they were likely to be arrested for all kinds of reasons that may have not, had nothing to do with the evidence, that they were likely to have been rushed through the process in a speedy way, pressured to plead guilty, and that they were likely to plead guilty not necessarily because they were guilty, but because they couldn't make bail or they didn't have adequate counsel or because they didn't understand the consequences. And, that, and we have the tools to fix that. We know how to run a lawful system. We just haven't done it in the low-level courts. It's really hard to argue with that. But on the other hand, you can't just let people go around urinating in public because that's exactly what people do if you let them, at least in the big cities. It was popular in the 90s when New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani's policing policies were influenced by what's known as broken window theory. If somebody urinates in public, the person is telling you, I got a big problem. This is what broken window theory is all about. I mean, if some guy is urinating in public, you can ignore the problem and say that I'm going to walk away from it and... We're going to make believe there's no problem. That's New York City in the 1980s. That's New York City with 2,000 murders. That's New York City with 500,000 crimes. You have to pay attention to people urinating on the streets, and you have to get people to stop urinating on the streets. That's, That's moving toward civilization. That's moving toward decency that people want to invest in, people want their children to live in. You've got to pay attention to somebody urinating on the street. It may be a minor thing, it may be a serious thing, but you cannot ignore it. You have to deal with it. It is against the law to urinate in public. One thing everyone seems to agree on is that there are too many people in this country who are rotting away in jail for victimless crimes. Here once again is Professor Natapoff with a story out of Texas that shows just how far the state will go to punish someone who dares to commit the misdemeanor. Atwater versus Lago Vista is a very famous Supreme Court case, and it's about a, a, a mom in Texas who is driving around the local park at about 15 miles an hour with her kids who were not wearing seatbelts, looking out of the window uh, because her son Mac had lost his toy in the park. And so she had told the kids they could take off their seatbelt to look for the toy. Police officer pulled her over hollered at her, said, you're going to jail. The kids are crying. He, w- he won't let her drop the kids off to a neighbor. Said, no, you're all going to jail. She goes to jail. She's booked, goes to the cell, um, uh, has her possessions taken, fingerprinted. The maximum penalty for that misdemeanor, criminal misdemeanor in Texas, is $50. She couldn't go to jail for it. It's a non-jailable misdemeanor. She pays the fine and she sues. She said, this is a violation of the Fourth Amendment, my right against unreasonable search and seizure. You locked me up in jail and gave me an arrest record for an offense for which I couldn't even go to jail. And the Supreme Court ruled against her. The Supreme Court said, for any offense, no matter how minor, no matter what the punishment, police officers 
can effectuate what we call a full-fledged custodial arrest, put you in jail with anybody else who happens to be in that jail at the moment. Um, you will get an arrest record. You can be booked. In some jails, you can be strip-searched for the arrest for any minor offense. And that is really the beginning of the net, of the, of the spread of the misdemeanor system, because what it says is that with all the things that we have turned into crimes in this country, as low level as they are, the weight of the state can come crashing down on anybody. So be careful and look twice before you cross the street. And remember, if you're not in the crosswalk, the full weight and authority of the state might come crashing down on you like a ton of bricks. For Our American Stories, I'm Jesse Edwards. And we've been listening to Alexandra Natapoff and her book, Punishment Without Crime. And you can get it at Amazon.com. Again, that's Punishment Without Crime. And Politics and Prose, we want to thank for providing the audio. They're a terrific bookstore in Washington, D.C. And you can just Google Politics and Prose, and so much of their content is right there on site. And C-SPAN, my goodness, if you watch book notes on C-SPAN or a lot of their book stuff, the book TV stuff, so often it's from Politics and Prose. So we want to thank the folks there for providing a great public service. And this is just another of our Rule of Law stories in our Rule of Law series, folks. And we love bringing you these stories because they're real. And I just keep thinking about that bail situation because I have a nephew who's been in and out of the prison system. And thank goodness he has parents who can afford to pay all the fines because those fines end up not making it possible for so many young people who've paid their debt to society and older people to get on with their lives. And it starts to feel like a revenue grab, a tax grab from the people least able to afford that tax. I think about this with parking tickets and especially speeding tickets. I've gotten a couple in my life, and when I write that $300 check, I'm really ticked off. And I can afford it, but I'm always thinking, why is it $300 and not $100 or $75? And what happens to that person who can't afford that $300 check? They can lose their car and maybe their career as a result of it. So that's why we do the Rule of Law series and stories, folks, because they affect your lives. And it's one of the rare places where you're seeing Republicans and Democrats agreeing on things. And that doesn't happen often enough in this great country. And when it does, nobody covers it. And we do. And that's why we bring you these stories. Our Rule of Law series, Alexandra Nadapov's book, Punishment Without Crime, here on Our American Stories.